So if you guys would turn your Bible to Genesis 37, verse 18. Now normally we have this nice, we have a nice PowerPoint, but the projector was not cooperating this morning, so we're going to shut it down so we don't cause any further damage. So, but Brian, thank you. The slides are awesome. Maybe one day they'll get to see how awesome these slides were, but you guys are just going to have to focus on me and the words coming out of my mouth today. So the title of this sermon is Rejection. Genesis 37, 18 through 36. I'll pray real quick before we read the word. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank that you talk to us. Lord, you thank you for downloading messages. Lord, we thank you for knowledge that you give us. Lord, I pray that every heart is postured to receive, to be healed, to forgive. Lord God, Lord, and to be forgiven. Lord, I pray that every set of eyes and ears hears and sees what you want them to see from this today, Lord, that we will leave here more equipped, that we will leave here in better shape to represent you, Lord, that we will leave here spiritually sound. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So Genesis 37, verses 18 through 36, is talking about when Joseph was sold into slavery. So if you guys want to follow along with me, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance as he approached. They made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traitors. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traitors, came by Joseph's brothers, pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traitors took him to Egypt. Sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern, when he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and laminated. The boy is gone. What will I do now? Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognized it immediately. And yes, he said, it's my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph... Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say, and then he would weep. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. And we'll circle back around to that. But can you imagine... Your, your dad sends you to go check on your brothers and make sure the flock's okay, right? And you're just 
you're just cruising along, hanging out with Jesus, talking, walking. You show up, and your brothers throw you in a cistern, and you hear them talking about they're going to kill you. Do you think he felt rejected? Do you think he experienced trauma from that? They, that had to mess him up. I mean, let's stop and think about how cruel that is at first. First, they were going to kill him. Well, that's really messed up to kill your brother or to kill, period. And then just to leave him there, I think that's more cruel if they would have just left him there to die a slow, agonizing death of dehydration and malnutrition and have his mind to think about. That's just cruel. But then they just chose to sold him to slavery, but that's because God had a plan. So the definition of rejection is the dismissing or refusing of a proposal, idea, etc., or a person. The spurning of a person's affections. I feel like it's a fair statement of what somebody was saying earlier, that every, I, I, would, I feel like it is accurate to say that every single person in here has been rejected at some point in their life. Whether it was by a father, a mother, a grandparent, a teacher, a preacher, a person of authority, a spouse, a relationship, we've all been rejected at some point in our, our life, but we're going to deal with that today. We're going to get to the root of it, we're going to give it to Jesus, and we're going to get some healing. So Joseph was rejected by his brothers. They thought about killing him. Then they threw him into a cistern. They sold him to slave traders for 20 pieces of silver. Sure sounds like rejection to me. Now, I was thinking as, I, as the Lord gave this to me and I was doing some self-healing myself or some self, I was, I was letting the Lord show me areas where he wanted to heal me at. I, I, I got quiet and I started thinking of like, man, who all's rejected me in my life and where did I feel rejection so we're going to start, I'm going to give you an example of something that the Lord showed me, and we're starting on like baby steps, because it's kind of hard to really go into the deeper stuff, so I'm just going to, we're going to make a baseline here. So um, I went to Pleasant View, and I remember playing seventh grade basketball, and it was awesome, man, I loved it. And like, I wasn't the best basketball player, but I was, I listened to my coaches, I did what I was supposed to do, and my dad taught me how to bo box out, so I was a rebounding machine. I might not have been able to shoot the basketball very good, but I could rebound. I'd jump down, I'd scoot them out of the way, get real aggressive, move big guys out of the way and get the rebound, right? I was really good at it. So I played basketball in seventh grade. I'll never forget it. I tried out for the eighth grade basketball team. And I mean, I, I went to the tryouts for a whole week, running, doing everything I could, and I knew it was going to be close, man. Some of these kids were really good. They lived, breathed, and died basketball, you know what I mean? They're out there shooting hoops all night. You know, I'm in there playing Nintendo, but that was my, my, my fault. Anyway, um, well, I didn't make the team in eighth grade. And in my mind, I'm starting to compare myself to some of the other kids, and I'm like, I'm better than him. I'm like, he's a suck-up. You know? But the point is, it didn't matter. It messed with me, and I felt rejected. I felt rejected. I was sad, and I was angry, and I honestly think it started to give me a little, it started a seed of rejection that kind of made me have a, a problem with authority, you know, because I was questioning that coach, and he didn't know what he was talking about. Another thing that the Lord showed me, growing up in this church as, with grandpa, grandpa being the pastor and dad being the pastor, and in the youth group, I was the, I was the kid that it didn't matter if I was 8, 9, or 10, wherever the youth group was at, I was here for everything. So I was with the children, I was with the youth, I was with the adults, I was with the old people. I was just there. Everywhere, okay? So something happened. When I'd be hanging out with the youth, and even when I got younger, the Lord showed me this. And I had, I had rejection from my youth pastors, and the Lord showed this to me. And I'm like, no, I didn't. He's like, yeah, you did. So what happened is, is the youth pastors, I think that 
they thought that because I was the pastor's kid and I had this like God-designed upbringing, I had all this support, that I didn't need anything. I didn't need to be taught. I didn't need to be loved. And so like they kind of just let me fend for myself, right? And there was, we had a pretty, the youth group was different back then, but they were, they were some rowdy boys and they were rough. So they picked on me. They bullied me, you know, when I was little. And it was probably from a place of love, but sometimes it would get out of control. And the point is, is I needed those youth pastors to actually invest in me. But they, some of them did, some of them, did, some of them didn't. But looking back, this is what the Lord showed me. Because he, he made me take a deep look at anything. And I'll, I'll go into more about rejection. Okay, this is just some baseline because I'm going to challenge you guys. When you get into your prayer time and you start taking an inventory of your life, I want you to start thinking about this, okay? Because you, you really need the Lord to work in your heart and reveal to you where you have experienced rejection in order to be healed from rejection and let the Lord do it. Now, the good news is, is, is God is there at all times. Romans 8, 38, 39, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it doesn't matter how much rejection you faced in your life. Okay? So what causes rejection? Trauma. Some of you have been abused physically, sexually, and mentally. That leaves trauma. Trauma is no fun. Some of you have been abandoned. You feel abandoned by your parents, a father, a mother, grandparent, aunt, uncle, a spouse, the loss of a parent, like I said, abandonment, whether it was from a divorce or a parent just bouncing out, being bullied or ridiculed, relationships. Am I talking to anybody here? And again, it's not something that's easy to talk about. But we got to let, see, the reason the Lord has this message is here's what he wants to do. He wants to make us aware of the seeds of rejection that have gotten in our heart, okay? Because in order for us to go get closer to him, we're going to have to give forgiveness to those people that rejected us. And it doesn't even matter if they're dead. God wants us to forgive those who have hurt us and rejected us so that we can move forward with his plan. You know, and I mean, some of you, you know, some of your traumas are way deeper than, you know, pastor up here talking about not making the basketball team, not, not feeling like he got enough teaching from the youth pastor or protected enough. I mean, you know, I, when I wasn't serving the Lord, you know, going through, going through a divorce and having, having a wife that cheats on you. Anybody relate with that? Infidelity? That'll give you some rejection wounds. And that'll mess you up. And you can't heal it in your own power. You can read all the self-help books that you want, but if you do not get in prayer and fasting and get on your knees and open your heart for the Lord to heal you, you're going to stay stuck right there with that rejection that is crippling you and holding you down. So get to praying, be honest with yourself, and seek the root of your rejection. This is, this is the part that's hard. You're going to have to take time, take inventory, start writing it down, ask the Lord to show you. 
say, Lord, what are things that I need to let go of? Who do I need to forgive? Because anybody, if you were in a relationship, whether you were married to them or just boyfriend and girlfriend, whatever the relationship is, and they rejected you, whether they cheated on you, whether they emotionally abused you, it is all lies from the enemy meant to keep you in bondage. Meant to keep you in a place of not healing. He wants to heal you. And we have all been there and done that. And it is a lifelong process to get, to get freed and healed from this. But the good news is God's going to do it. So some of the stages of rejection, the stages of rejection are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Makes sense? So denial would be like, that didn't happen. No, oh, it's not. They didn't break up with me. They didn't pick me to be on the team. They didn't like my workmanship. You know what I mean? They, we, we can deny it till we're blue in, blue in the face. Then we can get angry about it. We get angry about it and start lashing out, right? Then we're going to bargain. I think bargaining is the interesting one to me where it's like, well, if I would have done this, you know, then maybe that would have happened. Or if I was this or that, no. It's just part of it. Depression, okay? So I'll go off on a little bit here on depression. So see, when we get depressed... We start thinking about it, then it starts oppressing us, and depression, that's one of the enemy's tactics to get you. And that depression, he's going to get you. It's not good for us to be alone. It's not good for any of us. As Christopher was teaching on the shield of faith today, you know, it really brought together that us together, if we link our shields together, we go through all this together, okay? So Randy and I went to the minister's meeting last week or the week before. I wasn't going to go. Because I was like, man, I don't really need to go just shake hands with a bunch of pastors and eat lunch. I was like, I got so much stuff to do at the church that I, I just, I, I was in the zone, right? And, and the Lord said, no, I want you to go. And so we went, and it was really good. The pastor was encouraging all the other pastors and the missionaries and different stuff. And so the pastor, was, the pastor that was leading it, he was um, talking about, oh, well, he was talking about alcohol and, and some different stuff and how he's tired as the presbyter you know, having to have this conversation with pastors, okay? You know, some of the younger pastors in seminary, they think it's okay to drink, and they sign a thing saying that they won't drink. So he was talking about integrity, right? Talking about integrity, well, the pastor, he was going around, he was asking all these different people what their definitions of integrity were, and he started with a man that was a doctorate, and he was using big words that I didn't understand, and I'm like, okay. And he asked about six more people, and then he asked me, and I'm like a deer in the headlights, like, they all said what I wanted to say, you know? And like, so I, but I, the Lord flowed. Well, anyway, so then my wife's like, I got something to say. So she gave her the microphone, which is dangerous most times. <laughs> really dangerous giving her the microphone. But, but the Holy Spirit was working. So she started talking about trauma and why do people, why are people using alcohol? Why are people using drugs? Why are they why are they going to this and that for comfort, right? And if we don't get to the bottom of the trauma and we don't get the traumas healed or give God an opportunity to heal your trauma, well, it was amazing. She started talking about it. So then this other gentleman, he was like, I got to say something. He's like, now you've stepped in over to my world. And he was talking about how that in the church and even just people in general, right? If you don't feel comfortable, if you don't feel comfortable with your pastor, one of your pastors, or somebody in leadership in the church, this is why small groups are really important and, and, and community and fellowship is that if you don't feel comfortable enough to come talk about what you're struggling, we don't know how to pray and we don't know how to guide and lead you. So it was just really interesting that Lord was moving and it was good. So just exciting. And I realize I'm pretending that my <laughs> pen is a microphone right here. 
I'm like, man, this thing sounds good. <laughs> it's working really good. I need, me a, I need me a pin that's like a microphone and a laser pointer and a flashlight all at the same time and throw an Air, Apple AirTag on it. They're like, whatever, just everything all in one. Throw it in pastor's office and be like, Alvin. <laughs> oh, man. So, sometimes man's rejection is God's protection. We all probably have a story where, you know, God might have took a, a relationship. He might have intervened and got somebody in your life. Well, that's his protection, even though it hurt and felt like rejection. He's like, no, you don't need to marry that guy. Or you don't need to marry that girl. You don't need to be with that person. He's the chess, he's the chess player, and he's moving all the pieces around. Just like in Joseph's life, right? Man's rejection was God's protection. It wasn't really so much protection. He was orchestrating, and he was playing some chess to win, right? Because he had a plan for Joseph. The emotions behind rejection, we can have hurt feelings. It can make us have loneliness, jealousy, guilt, social anxiety, shame, embarrassment, sadness, and anger. None of those are good. Anybody battle that? Come on. Everybody be a little honest. We all have we all have some sadness. We all have some anger, especially when we start thinking about it. And I, and I, it will hurt. It will hurt if you, choose, if you choose to go further with this and you choose to let the Lord work in your heart. It's going to hurt a little bit. As he pulls them thorns out and he presses you, you're going to cry. You're going to cry. And you're going to experience some trauma. You're going to relive it, I guess, is what I say. You're going to feel it again. But that's what has to happen in order for him to, to heal it. How do we heal from rejection? We have to seek God. We have to spend time with him. We have to give it to him. We, we got to start having a conversation with him. Say, God, show me if I have any unforgiveness in my heart, if I have somebody that rejected me and hurt me. I mean, Man, I just, I remember growing up in this church, my best friend, man, my mom, right hand, my right hand man, dude, we, if I wasn't at his house on the weekend, he was at my house. I mean, he had clothes at my house, I had clothes at his house, and we were just tight, you know, man, we, we built Nerf, we built our own Nerf guns, we had massive Nerf wars, it was just, dude, we were just cool, we had fun. Well, anyway, whenever his dad, whenever his dad had an affair on his mom, and they ended up getting a divorce. I, he was about 12 years old when it happened. And I watched him change. And I really don't think he's ever dealt with it. Even when I see him to this day, I really just don't feel like that that boy ever was the same. Okay? Because it gave him, it gave him a wound from his father of rejection, even though it had nothing to do with him, even though he still saw his dad. It still caused a wound in his heart. And only God can heal that. So we've got to seek God. We've got to give him time to work on that place of rejection inside of our heart. He needs to show us who it is, what it is, what we're battling so that we can start praying. We need to pray, and we need to pray some more. We need to fast. Anybody been doing any fasting in the house? You know what? I'm just going to throw it out there. So here's what we should do, church. As a collective whole... I really, I think Tuesday, I, don't, I like Tuesdays. We've been 
pretty consistently fasting Tuesdays. Sometimes we were doing Wednesdays, but then we have a meal on Wednesday with the youth usually. But I would encourage everybody to fast a meal. Just don't eat on Tuesday. Well, if you can't, but if you can, if you can, can. If you can do it, if you can do it, do it and give God an opportunity. And look at it like this. So if you eat supper on Monday night, then do not eat till Wednesday morning. Drink a lot of water that day. Spend a lot of time in prayer and make room for God to do something in your life. That's what it is. You're saying, hey, God, I will give up, I will give up the desires of the flesh, which is food, and desires for food, that's, that's pe- pretty much what lust is. Everybody thinks lust is just related to sexual stuff, but that's not true. Lust is wanting what you want of the flesh, whatever it is. So get some discipline in your life, and it starts with that. I'm getting it, and it ain't easy. I'll tell you, it's not easy, but if you, so when you do it, when you do it, if you do it this Tuesday, here's what I encourage you to do. When you do it and when you hit that wall, whether it's 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock and you start smelling something or you think about it, you stop right in your tracks and you quit thinking about food and you say a little prayer and you say, God, help me and you fulfill me and you give me what I need to get through to that next time and that next day and watch what he does for you. You want to see answers? You want to see revelation happen in your life, in your children's life? That's what you need to do. Acknowledge the pain. Once he shows it to you, listen, it is okay. You do whatever you got to do, ladies, men. If you got to go get in the bathtub or the shower to cry it out, as you feel, then go cry it out. If you need to go lock the door and, and tell the kids, hey, I need a minute to be alone, then go do it. It's really okay for your kids to even see you cry, but depending on how, like, depending on how emotional you get, that could be, you know, whatever. But just don't acknowledge it. Acknowledge the pain and let the Lord minister to you. Let him minister to you. Cry it out. Let that pain out. Don't blame yourself. Strengthen your resiliency. Keep putting yourself out there. Allow yourself to feel your emotions. It's okay to feel them. We tell Lily when she gets upset, and even Elena, Addison does pretty good at regulating his emotions. But we, it's, but our, at our house, we're like, it's okay to have your emotions, but if you, if, you can't, if you can't control them at that time and do it in a safe way, we encourage you to go to your room, to your safe place, and you go work it out, and we'll be here if you need us, or come back out after you go work it out. But we don't, we don't need to vomit our emotions on other people, and that's something where people struggle with, and then, then, then that turns into a whole other mess. So take time to feel it. Take time to feel it. Spend time with people who accept you. You know, I was once told, like, if, if someone's rejected you and you're worried about them, quit talking about them at the dinner table and worry about what they're doing because I promise you they ain't talking about you. So don't worry about that. Practice self-love and self-care, which the best thing you can do for practicing self-love and self-care is to take care of yourself and work on your relationship with God because he will make all the other things come into play. Guess what? He'll give you time to go work out. He'll give you time to worship. He'll give you time to to do all the things you need to do if you're putting him first. Rejection doesn't define you. God defines you. Joseph chose to forgive. Think about it. He ended up, he got thrown in a cistern, almost killed by his brother, sold to some slaves. Then he had to go through all that mess in Potiphar's house. Y'all know the story. He started deciphering dreams and the one guy got killed and the one guy lived and then the wife, the, was it Potiphar's wife or Potiphar's wife accused him of this and that and he had to, he had to keep on going through it. But he, 
He was chosen, and God had a plan. Genesis 45.5 says, When his brothers came back around, But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. 1 John 4.18 Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that. Jesus was rejected. Jesus was rejected. His brothers rejected him. The people rejected him. 1 Peter 2, 4. These, these verses all kind of say the same thing. I just thought it was interesting how many times they mentioned it. So Jesus was the cornerstone. Anybody know what the cornerstone is? The cornerstone in the building process is the most important stone. It has to be leveled and balanced, and it has to be structurally strong enough to support the building. So Jesus was the cornerstone. 1 Peter 2, 4, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but chosen by God for great honor, the cornerstone. Psalms 118:22. the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Matthew 21, 42, Acts 4, 11, Mark 12, 10, all talks about the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the most important stone in construction. If this stone is not exactly right, the entire building would be out of line. Don't live in rejection and do not reject Jesus Christ. Listen, at the end of the day, people want to talk about whether God exists and, and people want to say, oh, I know him, but they really don't know him. At the end of the day, living for Jesus, even if we got it wrong, folks, even if we got it wrong, at the end of the day, when you die, it is way better to live the way that Jesus has commanded us to live. You will be healthier. You will live a, a life with less stress. I'm just going to preach for a little bit. Listen, we took the youth to Maranatha. Wednesday night, we did not know what to expect when we went up there. And I'll tell you what, it was a whole different story and different atmosphere from going to a secular, from a secular nursing home to a place where the Holy Spirit is present. The first lady's room that we went into, her name was Doris, right? And she, quote, said, I was a preacher's daughter. I, I, I walked away from God, and when I came back to God, I came all the way back to God, and his promises were yes and amen. We prayed for her. She started speaking in tongues. And, but here's the thing that was interesting about every single person that we visited. I think the youngest one was 88, and the oldest one was 99, everything in between, because they were living God's way, and so he blessed them with longer health and not the things of the world. And we're going to be going back to Maranatha because it was, that was, it was just awesome. So much wisdom, so many testimonies, and just like, and listen, you guys want to get in on that? We can, we can go as a group, and they would love it. Like, we can do that on a Wednesday night sometime. We can go in there and sing songs and, and just bless them, and they got so much to offer. Um, so again, don't live in rejection and do not reject Jesus Christ. So I'll finish with this. Here's some people that you may have heard of in the world who were rejected, okay? Listen, I'll just, we'll circle back around. Steve Jobs was rejected at some point in his life. He's known for Apple and Pixar. J.K. Rowling, who wrote Harry Potter, which I don't watch Harry Potter, but I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole nother sermon. Um, Elon Musk with Tesla, Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, Oprah Winfrey, Barbara uh, Corran from Shark Tank, Jeff Bezos with Amazon, Thomas Edison, the light bulb. Listen, they were all rejected. Somebody told them, no, your idea stinks. Somebody told them, you're silly and you're a dreamer and you're not going to do anything. Somebody rejected them at some point in their life business-wise. But you know what? Guess what they didn't do? They didn't go home. They didn't go home and sit on their pity potty 
and have a pity party. It's pretty good. I thought you guys might like that. They didn't stay there. They didn't stay there. They, they, they went back and they said, they might have taken some of the criticism and said, it might have fueled them to be like, maybe they were right, but guess what? I'll make it better. Or they just might have went and set off on someone who says no. So anybody who ever does sales, if you guys are ever thinking about getting sales into sales, or even you want to be an evangelist, here's the thing. Get this through your minds and your life will be so much easier. If you're trying to sell cookies, Encyclopedia Britannica's or vacuums, don't come to my house. Anyway, just saying. <laughs> but what? Insults? Hey, whatever you want to sell, you know what I mean? But whether you, what? Do what? Pulled pork. Yeah, pulled pork. So here's the thing. If you're trying to sell something, or even if you're trying to tell people about Jesus, guess what? Get it in the mindset that you're going to get 99 no's before you get that one yes. And be okay with those no's. Be okay with those no's. Because when you get the one, it's, it's just how it is. That's how it is. And, and you're, if you're going to be an evangelist, and, and you ours are all called to be evangelists for Jesus, be okay with somebody saying, no, I don't want to hear it. Hey, do you want me, would you like to hear a testimony? You can just go up to them and say, would you like to hear a testimony about what God's done for me? If they say no, say, thank you, have a nice day. Look at the person right next to them. Would you like to hear? That's how we're supposed to be. That's how we're supposed to be. So all these people, all these people who are billionaires, famous, that you know, they've all had a part in shaping history, they all were rejected, but they didn't stay in that rejection. They got they had to they had to have got some kind of healing from that. Right? Joseph got healing from it and was able to orchestrate and he was the second in charge. He saved the kingdom. He saved the kingdom. And again, he didn't sit there and he didn't sit there and waller and holler and stay on the pity potty. And so I would just leave you with this that as you start as you start seeking God to show you that, I just encourage you that it is a safe thing to do to say, Hey God, reveal to me in my heart where I may have where I might have rejection, where it stems from, who it's aimed at. Begin to pray, begin to give that to God, and then begin to go forward in forgiving the people that you need to forgive. And listen, there's so many ways you can do it. You can pray about it. You can, you can just forgive them in your heart. You can write them a letter if it's a, if it's a harder situation. I think it'd be okay for you to write a letter to somebody to say, hey, just pour your heart out, send them that letter, shoot them a text, shoot them an email. There's lots of ways to start the process because you'll really be surprised what happens when you start to, when, when the Lord begins to heal those heart wounds inside of you, you get freedom. If Chris and Delaney want to come up, be prepared to play something. So we got a few minutes before we go our way and come back tonight. The Altar call is just going to be simple. If, if you know without a shadow of a doubt and you'd be bold enough to just come down here, we can just take a few minutes and just pray and just give our rejection to God. That's what we're going to do to close this time. So, Lord, I just ask right now, Lord God, Lord, that you just minister to our hearts, Lord God. Lord, speak to us how you want to speak to us, Lord, that we may receive it. 
Lord God, Lord, that we may begin to begin to have healing with the roots of rejection that are in our hearts, Lord God, Lord, that our minds can be free from that, Lord, that you will show us who we need to forgive, how to forgive them, Lord, give us the strength and the boldness to begin to forgive those who have hurt us, who have done wrong by us, the ones who weren't there, Lord, let us see the situations from a 360 degree angle, Lord, that, that we can see those of why they may be left and why they weren't there, Lord God, Lord, but just let us be dialed in, just dial us in, Lord God, Lord, to be able to, to forgive and to be able to, to just move in closer. So as they sing this song and see this song that, she's, that they're singing, hello peace, hello joy, hello love, it's a song of like, it doesn't matter what the situation was. It doesn't matter if you were divorced. It doesn't matter if, if you were abused. It doesn't matter if you didn't know your dad. It doesn't matter if you didn't know your mom. It doesn't matter if you were adopted. It doesn't matter if you weren't adopted. It doesn't matter because Jesus loves you. And he's there for you, and he's given you a new family. So it doesn't matter what you face. You just got to be willing to give it to God, fully surrendered, give him your heart. So just come down, and, and let's sing this song as we, as we end the day of worship, and let's just sing it with our full heart. And we'll be here for you. If you want any special prayer, just seek any of the leaders out. I love you. Can't wait to see you guys tonight. Have an awesome day. We'll be back here at 5 o'clock. In Jesus' name, amen. Let him turn it in your face.